Leather Bread, the podcast for fantasy football. Now, introducing your host, Hunter Slapdog Amaruso, and Matthew Scotty Hopemeyer. What's going on, you nasty, dirty brainiacs? Today is Thursday, August 25th, and as always, I am your hostess with the most, a Slapdog, and I am joined here today by the crew. The crew of two, plus me. So that's, I guess, technically three. I've got Yeti here today, as well as Scotty Del Rizzi, the producer, the aficionado, the guy wearing the hat in the back, Scotty G. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing better now that okay. I'm unmuted. That's good. good. Boys, we are, what, two weeks away from football? We are. Actual football? Yeah. It's... uh. It's exciting. Two weeks. I'm very excited. It, it has, it's been a long time coming. And I, I'm starting to agree with Scotty. You know, last episode, Scotty had stated that he the preseason itch just wasn't enough. And I think it's because I, I started thinking about it a little bit more. I think it is because we're not in real fantasy football yet. So we can sit there and watch football and appreciate it for the art that it is, but we have nothing on the line. And that's why I think it... it it's, uh, it's getting me a little antsy because I know what's coming and I'm ready to go. Sports betting this last weekend, I had a little bit more buy-in. So I was like, I cared a little bit more. And and I think that's part of fantasy football is the antsiness of it is uh, makes it a little bit harder to appreciate preseason for what it is because we want to play fantasy football. You know, after uh, going 1-0 on my preseason parlay last weekend, I <laughs> have contemplated retirement from sports gambling, Yeah, um, ending on a high note and uh, ending $15 up. So I think my sports gambling days are behind me until at least September 8th. So um, I'm retired for two weeks. Okay. And then That's you're going to come back strong? Yes, exactly. Okay. But this week for preseason should be a little more interesting because it's dress rehearsal week. Re- week, got rehearsal week. There we go. That's kind of hard to say. Um, but I saw reports that Justin Field is is expected to play for the first half. So mm-hmm. I think we might, you know, we might see even Mahomes, who played deep into the second quarter last week. He might play a, a whole half. So we might get a, you know one half of serious football this week this is so crazy you're talking tuned. crazy yeti you're <laughs> talking know. crazy it's exciting though i'm excited um scotty you have anything to add before we uh we jump into things here um nope i'm okay. ready to go okay well today as always we're going to be covering the news and then after that I, I don't even know how to describe what we're about to do yeti we're we're going to talk about the top what three teams in the worst three teams or or somewhere in between to there and we're going to talk about some players that are on those teams for fantasy football and the implications is that a decent way to describe what we're about to do yeah so i i found a list of uh the implied points per game per vegas odds and now obviously you never want to go against vegas because vegas fucking knows everything uh, even if it seems silly vegas knows everything so i we uh we got this list compiled, compiled, and we uh, went through the list, and uh, we we're gonna talk about the top three offenses uh, based off of the implied points per game, and then I, I guess the bottom five offenses uh, according to the points per game. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, it's kind of a. Th- we're, we're just, we'll talk about some targets that we like. 
uh, we're trying to avoid the obvious ones on some of these teams. Uh, maybe give you guys a sleeper look or uh, just an unexpected look to maybe rise a little, little bit in your rankings. But uh, we're staying away from the top guys for the most part. Yeah, yes. I think this segment's going to provide a lot of value, especially for the five worst teams, because so often, I mean, we've said it countless times here on this podcast where, oh, they're, you know, they're on the Jets. I'm not interested in targeting anybody there. But that doesn't just because they're on a bad team doesn't necessarily mean they're not worth a target. So this is an opportunity to go through and look at some guys who, even though they're on an underperforming team, they very well may provide some value to your lineup. Sure. And I, I, I love that breakdown. And I think it's good to just to talk a little bit about the teams as well and kind of where they're at and what that means for fantasy football. So we're going to do all that. And then, of course, we are going to answer the Brainiac questions. So without further ado, let's get down to business. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. All right. Kicking the headlines off here. We have news that the Dolphins have, quote, brought up tight end Mike Kosicki in trade talks with other teams. Such a move would make sense for Miami with Kasiki set to play on a franchise tag and seemingly about to play out of position as an inline tight end. Yeti, what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I put this on the news segment because we had originally talked about uh, Mike McDaniel going to Miami as a possible benefit to um, Mike Kasiki because we were comparing Mike Kasiki to kind of the, that George Kittle role. Well, Something that wasn't we really didn't talk about is in the Mike McDaniel's offense or the San Fran offense, George Kittle is blocking a lot. He is one of the best blocking tight ends in the game, and that's a part of Mike Maseki's game that is lacking. Uh, Mike Maseki is basically um, he's a wide receiver that got forced into a tight end role because he's so goddamn big. So he he can't block in that offense and. It's been reported that he's struggled during training camp and during preseason games. So um, Mike Isecki being on the trading block is interesting. And a couple of spots that kind of came to mind uh, for Mike Isecki would be uh, just off the top of my head. I could see him going to New England or even uh, Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is lacking uh, receiving, uh, receiving help. And I could see Mike Isecki kind of helping with that role. For sure. I mean, like you'd stated, it kind of sucks because I was actually pretty excited for Gusecki this or upcoming year. For everything that you just mentioned, Mike McDaniel's was is now the head coach there. Is he going to be used, utilized more than Kittle or utilized in a Kittle-like role? And then they franchise tagged him, which is very telling that they wanted to keep this guy around and 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 utilize him. And then come to find out that he's not being utilized as as we had perhaps once thought he would be is somewhat diminishing. Um, in terms of fantasy football, and it, it really sucks because he is his ADP is not in the top 10. He's not doing wonderful uh, as far as fantasy football drafting. And um, and this is certainly not good news for uh, fantasy football implications. All right, next up here, we have word 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan confirmed Tuesday that running back Elijah Mitchell is, quote, on schedule to play week one. He missed time with a hamstring injury, as we know. Hunter, what do you think? Well, I mean, with this, it's it's uh, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that Elijah Mitchell is going to be back. But I I have slight concerns with Mitchell in, in terms of fantasy football, in large part due to the fact that Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback there. And and that what that means is Trey Lance is not afraid to tuck the ball and run with it. And I think that Trey Lance is going to take some of those touches away from Elijah Mitchell due to his ability to move the ball with his legs. So 
Elijah Mitchell, I want to say he's probably going, what, sixth or seventh round right now is is kind of where his ADP is currently at, um, which I, I don't hate that, but I'm also not particularly interested in in taking him at that ADP solely because I don't know. I mean, he is going to be the RB1, right? And that that certainly has some sort of implications for fantasy as far as you can put him in, and I would count on him maybe as an RB2. I certainly would not as an RB1, but putting him in as an RB2, being able to utilize him, you're hoping that he he sees that, but I I have concerns about you know look at look at Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. I think that we could see a similar role as that offense for the Eagles, where Jalen Hurts was the RB one. Trey Lance could do that very well because previously Jimmy G was he's not a mobile quarterback. So I have concerns there. I'm glad that he is on track to play Week One. I just don't know if I'm really interested in touching any of that backfield. And every year since Kyle Shanahan's taken over that offense, uh, there's been a different RB1 leading leading that backfield. Um, so it, it's very unlikely that Elijah Mitchell finishes as the RB1 of that offense. Who that'll be? It'll probably be Trey Lance. But on a serious note, who the fuck knows? Because they have a stable of running backs that they're still trying to figure out. And if Elijah Mitchell is truly Kyle Shanahan's guy, he'll probably try to keep him as healthy and fresh as possible until it matters later in the season. So, I mean, we might be looking at a committee for the first few weeks or even until later in the season when they want to ride Elijah Mitchell. But I'm personally staying away. Um, Like you stated, I think he's kind of a fringe RB2 play every week, Uh, but I see him more as an RB3 type of guy. Um, And something I want to bring up since we're talking about the 49ers offense is We talk a lot about how Trey Lance, his rushing ability is going to knock the backfield a little bit. Um, I want to bring up or ask, do you guys think, Scotty or Slaps, um, do you guys think that Trey Lance coming in is going to hurt Debo's value as a top 10 wide receiver this season? Take it away, Honor. Well, I mean, here's the thing with that is, is yeah, I kind of do because I, I, you know, it's funny. We, we mock draft every single day and I find myself having the option to take Debo. And then I kind of look at some other areas to explore where I leave Debo alone. Not because I don't think Debo is a wonderful, wonderful receiver because he is. Um, but I have concerns there. I certainly do. And, and I think that um, you'd be silly not to think about that. However, I also know that Debo, they utilized him on the ground a lot last year, and they 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 got the ball in their playmakers' hands. I I know that beat reporters are are suggesting that Ayuk is is Trey's favorite, so there is you know they're kind of hyping that up a little bit. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, but you see constant reports about it, which makes me kind of thinking that Ayuk will have a better season than he did with Jimmy G. Yeah, I have. I do have a little bit of concern with that. Not because I don't think Debo's talented, but because he is a rookie quarterback. He is able to move the ball with his feet a little bit more. And is he going to... I mean, essentially, he's a rookie, right? I mean, he's not, but he is. Like, he's he played a couple games last season, but now is it's his turn. Is he going to make the right reads? Is he going to get the ball in, in his playmaker's hands? How is he going to perform throwing the ball? Those are the things that I want to know, and we, we haven't really seen a tried-and-true Trey Lance yet. We've seen him fill in for a game. We've seen him get in for some specialty plays. It, I don't know, but I, I think it's risky for sure. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the, the bottom line is is that with a, an inexperienced quarterback like Trey, you, you have to expect him, especially with his mobility, to run the ball a lot. And that is going to negatively impact everyone in the receiving game. Now, I'm not afraid of this offense, though. I think it's going to be a good offense. I'm buying in hard on Trey Lance, and therefore I have to buy in uh, to some degree on other elements of the offense as well. But I don't think it's a bad idea to fade Debo slightly because of that. So I'm I'm on the same page. Yeah, Debo is one of the guys that I'm fading at his current ADP in the what he's going second, third round right now. And I think you're paying a premium on what you saw last year. And this, like you guys have stated, it's going to be a completely different offense that is not going to have a lot of targets to go around. And when Debo, I mean, he's arguably one of the most um, athletic or he might be the best wide receiver on that team. But he's got guys like George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk there who are going to take away targets from him in an offense that is going to be struggling for targets to begin with. So um, I, I was just kind of curious because I don't want anything to do with Debo. And I, I have a lot of guys that are in the fourth and fifth round range higher than Debo at his current price. Sure. I mean, would you rather own DJ Moore or Debo going into this year? DJ Moore, for sure. Okay. Uh, Pity City or Debo? That's Pittman, yeah. Okay. Over Debo. Deontay Johnson or Debo? Yeah. Uh, no. I I think that's where I draw the line. Okay. But I would much rather have Mike Williams even over Debo in, in the fourth or fifth round. Sure. All right. Next up here, we have word that the Ravens have placed running back Gus Edwards with his ACL injury on the reserve pup list. That means he'll miss at least the first four games of the regular seasons. However, of the regu- regular season, excuse me. But... We need to pump the brakes a bit on J.K. Dobbins. ESPN's Jamison Hensley says, quote, even if Dobbins suits up for the season opener, he won't get a full workload. It's too early to predict when Dobbins will be back to the rec- or to receiving double-digit touches in the games. Hen- Hensley also adds that Mike Davis, quote, could get the most carries early in the season and will remain part of ba- Baltimore's game plan throughout the season. So where do you guys have J.K. Dobbins in light of this news? Go ahead. Um, well, J.K. Dobbins, he is currently going in the fourth round of drafts. Um, J.K. Dobbins was a guy that I planned on fading before I found out he was healthy. Um, just because that offense, it's really a committee. Even when J.K. Dobbins was healthy in 2020 with Gus Edwards in the backfield, it was a true split between the two of them. Plus, you have Lamar Jackson, who's going to vulture all the goal line TDs. He's going to take the TDs for himself. Now, Mike Davis is in the fold. Uh, Mike Davis has been getting all the run, you know, for the starting offense in the preseason. And uh, per this report, it sounds like Mike Davis is going to be utilized even more um, in this offense to keep J.K. Dobbins uh, fresh. Um, So with all that being said... JK remains a even strong, stronger fade for me at his current ADP. Um, and if you want to target anybody in that backfield, it might be Mike Davis in the 15th round or, you know, how late he's going just because he's going to get a lot of touches early in the season without Gus Edwards for, for the first four weeks, at least. No, and it's not even a, a running back room that I'm interested in owning. Like I, I find myself looking, you know, around that fourth round, I'm, I, there are some other running backs that I'm like, that's kind of where you're starting to peel off and, and try and find someone who's still going to be starting. And 
that running back room is disgusting. I mean, truth be told, like Mike Davis really was not anything with Atlanta last year. Like there was promise because he was CMC's backup two years ago and he did okay for them. And then he got picked up by Atlanta and was in a starting role. And then Cordero Patterson took that over because Mike Davis couldn't get it done. So it seems more like a three-headed dog type situation that we're about to encounter. And realistically, probably more of a four-headed dog because Lamar Jackson is also the running back there. So not interested in really touching that that running back room whatsoever. At their current ADPs, would you rather have J.K. Dobbins or Elijah Mitchell? Elijah Mitchell. Yep. I I, about, I mean, I just go ahead. Uh, what about Clyde? I will Clyde or Clyde. JK. I, I will. Ah, you have you to know pick how one. I feel about Clyde. I don't <laughs> like Clyde. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go JK. I'm going to go JK over Clyde. Okay. I don't like Clyde at all. Those are two guys that are going around the same ADP as JK Dobbins. Yeah. All right. Next headline here is Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy said Tuesday that wide receiver Michael Gallup is doing, quote, really well and has avoided any setbacks in his rehab from his torn ACL going on nine months. Is Michael Gallup someone that fantasy managers need to be seriously considering at his current ADP? I, I certainly think so. I mean, I, I, uh, I find myself kind of grabbing him at the very end. To be honest with you, Michael Gallup's current ADP right now is 134, putting him at like what the 14th round or some somewhere around there. It it's incredible. Like his ADP is incredible for. And yes, I get it. He's coming off of an ACL injury, and that's really in large part why he has fallen so bad. That team needs help anywhere that they can get it. And when Michael Gallup comes back, he's going to be. I I truly believe he is going to have a prominent role in that offense because they can't afford not to. They have CD Lamb. They have Jalen Tolbert, who was the rookie that they drafted this year, who could, there's an argument to be made, could end up being a, a showcase that kind of uh, is the future of the Cowboys wide receivers along with CeeDee Lamb. And I think that's the hope there. And Michael Gallup being gone affords Jalen Tolbert a little bit of time to hopefully get a connection with Dak. And then they have Dr. Schultz, right? So that team is going to need as much help as they can get. I don't mind Michael Gallup there because he's his ADP is very late. There are other receivers around him that are, um, I mean, he's a, he when healthy, he is slated to be a wide receiver too in that offense. He's going around Jarvis Landry, Rondale Moore, Devontae Parker, um, and, and Jahan Dotson. So if you can get this guy late and he's able to perform for a team that needs help, then yeah, I don't hate that at all. Yeah, and I think Michael Gallup coming back hurts the value that Jalen Tolbert had. And I, I could even say Schultz to a certain extent, too, because I was planning on Gallup being out for at least the first half of the season. But if he's coming back this early, I think Gallup is a guy that you want to target <clears throat> Excuse me, late as he's going to be the wide receiver, too. Um, like you said, to C.D. Lamb. So C.D. Lamb's going to be drawing all the major coverage. And then I think Michael Gallup, he, he's... A, He's a good wide receiver. Um, I I thought at times last season he looked better than Amari Cooper. Um, so if he can get off the line like he did prior to his injury, he could have good numbers in that offense, uh, given that they have a lot of open targets with Amari Cooper being gone, obviously. So keep an eye out for Michael Gallup. Um, he's, a, he's a stash play, in my opinion. 
All right, let's let's continue the game here. Would you rather have Michael Gallup or Russell Gage? Uh, give me Michael Gallup, wide receiver two in a Dallas offense that probably be throwing the ball a lot. Whereas for Russell Gage, I think his role is kind of diminishing with Julio being there. Okay. Would you rather have uh, my phone just crashed? So that makes this a little bit more difficult. Um, Sky Moore or Michael Gallup? Uh, Michael Gallup. Uh, We know Sky Moore is going to be kind of a gadget guy, but we have yet to see his true potential or how he's even going to look or how much they plan on rolling him out. Uh, So give me Michael Gallup. Okay. Let's do... uh, I got two more. Chase Claypool or Michael Gallup? Michael Gallup. Um, I think George Pickens is going to beat out Claypool, and he's going to outperform Claypool this season. You mean Kenny Pickett? Huh? No, George Pickens is oh, the receiver. receiver that they, yeah, no, you're good. Uh, and Tyler Boyd. Michael Gallup. Again, okay. it's a wide receiver two versus a wide receiver three. All of those, I, I like all those people Gallup. I just listed are going before Michael Gallup and ADP. So just just to know. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's that's a shocker. <laughs> all right. Final headline here. Darren Waller still injured and uncertain for week one. How does this make you feel as a Raiders fan, Yeti? Sad. <laughs> That's all I got. No, I'm just kidding. Sad. Um, honestly, um, I think this is a situation to keep an eye out for because Waller's been gone for about two and a half weeks now, or maybe even longer with this hamstring injury. Um, if, you know, the season starts in two weeks. So if if he's not practicing pretty soon you know i i would kind of fade him at his current adp i think he's going in the fifth or sixth round and in an offense where i, I mean obviously Devonte adams is going to demand a large share of the targets um we don't know how many targets waller is going to get uh, i <clears throat> in this offense i just want to interject and say i am fading him at his current adp yeah and i, I think even with yeah, I think he's a good fade option even prior to this injury news. Um, if he is out for the first couple of weeks, look out for Hunter Renfro uh, because Derek Carr, um, yes, he's been airing out the ball a lot more lately, but uh, I used to think of Derek Carr as a guy that could only throw the ball 15 yards, um, and Hunter Renfro is a king of those short routes. Um, he's going to break dudes off the line any way he can. And so I think Renfro is going to be the uh, beneficiary if Darren Waller's out. Um, Also keep an eye out for Foster Moreau. I don't think he's draft worthy, but he could be a streamer option for the first week if Waller is out. But um, as of right now, I think this benefits Renfro more than anybody. Devontae Adams is going to eat. Renfro is going to eat with or without Waller in. So Sure. And I That's like it. I, I'm not taking I'm not interested in owning Darren Waller, to be completely honest with you. I regardless of, of I, I think this kind of is the the cement for me to solidify the fact that I don't want him. Um he is expensive. He's 40th overall, so 4.0 for his ADP. And I just I don't want that. He had injury issues last year. He's going into the season with injury issues. He's not any I mean, he's 29 years old, so he's it's not like he's a young sprout. And while he is talented, there is a lot of mouths to feed there in that offense. And I just I think that's a huge risk to take him uh, that early in the draft. So I am I'm fading him. Would you rather have Schultz or Waller? Schultz. 
because I, I don't know George if Waller's Kittle. What's that? What about George Kittle? I look at those guys similarly, but I'm taking Kittle. Kittle's on the field. Kittle's healthy right now. And Waller, well, Kittle had some health issues last year, and I get that. Um, but currently, right now, he's healthy. And Waller's going into the, he ended last year injured, and he's going into the year injured. Not a good look. Fair. All right, that it? it's all the news. It's all we got. Okay. okay, well, then we are going to move on to the top offenses, and we're going to talk about some of the top offenses. So, uh, like I mentioned, we have the uh, the top five, and I think we between you and I, Yeti, we just kind of picked um, some teams and are going to kind of explore those, and then we're going to explore some of the bottom five offenses that are projected via Vegas. So, let's go. Top five. What team would you like to start with, Yeti? I, I have the Bills slated for mine, but if you'd like to start with somebody else, we certainly can do so. I only did the top three, but okay. I can certainly plug a couple guys in. No, the, no, we'll just I'll, two. That's okay. Um, I, we can just do. We'll do your top three, and I've got three as well uh, for a couple different teams here. So I'll, I'll just start with the bills since I have mine and then, um, and then you can start with yours. So we'll just riff back and forth and give some information to our brainiacs. So the first player is of no surprise to anybody. And like Yeti had mentioned at the beginning, um, we tried not to put, actually, we didn't put any of the players who are in the top 25 ADP in here, just because it's kind of somewhat of a no brainer. So the first person I wanted to talk about was Dawson Knox. I think that he is a great value. Um, he is currently, his ADP right now is 89th overall. Uh, and he's currently ranked as the tight end number 10 this year. And I, I really, truly don't think that tight, or Dawson Knox is a bad option here. Last year, Dawson Knox got nine touchdowns. He was out for two games. And he finishes the tight end eight on the year. Um, and, and and I'm grabbing him as a tight end if he is available. And I'm looking for a tight end around there because he's on a very explosive team. He is on a team that... Look, Josh Allen is either going to do a few things. Uh, he's going to tuck the ball and run it into the end zone, or he's going to look for Knox because Knox is a big target at the goal line, and he he has proven that he will feed Dawson Knox in the end zone. So I like Dawson Knox quite a bit with that offense. And the other person that I have, of course, is Gabriel Davis. I, I love Gabriel Davis. He is somebody who I have I have reached for in many leagues for the simple fact of who is throwing him the ball, and it's Josh Allen. Gabriel Davis ADP right now is currently 80, and there are uh, there are certain things that I, I would like to mention about Davis's situation. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders was on the Bills last year. That is no longer the case. And instead of drafting another wide receiver this year, they went and got Jamison Crowder, who I am not very excited about as their wide receiver three. Davis had kind of a breakout at the end of last year, and I think that he is slated to... Uh, Maybe not see the numbers that he did at the end of last year, but certainly be able to be a, a feasible wide receiver too for you week in and week out in fantasy football. Stefan Diggs is still there. He's going to draw major coverage from defenses as rightfully so. He is a, a top tier wide receiver, but I think that that's going to benefit Davis. He's an explosive offense. I'm interested in owning either him and or Knox if I am looking for one of those positions. And like I said, I, I find myself reaching more for Gabriel Davis than Dawson Knox typically, but I don't think you can go wrong with any of them or either of them rather. 
Yep. And Dawson Knox is a guy that I had on my list as well, uh, largely largely for the reasons you mentioned. Um, and I just wanted to add that Dawson Knox, he had the third most red zone targets with 11 last season. Uh, that's only behind Mark Andrews and Hunter Henry. So like you said, in an explosive offense, that's going to be close to the goal line or red zone a lot. I think Dawson Knox is a solid target, a uh, solid value in the, what, 10th round, ninth round, wherever he's going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like him for that touchdown upside. And my second guy for Buffalo is Devin Singletary. So Devin Singletary, he is currently being drafted in the eighth or ninth round. Um, and last season, he finished as the RB19 in PPR formats. Um, he split time with Zach Moss for the first seven weeks last season before uh, being the top running back in that offense. Um, he did that uh, in week seven. And from week seven to the end of the season, he finished as the RB12. So you are potentially drafting a, a guy who is a, um, I, I don't know if I'd call him a low-end RB1, but he is a RB2, I would say, every week that you can get. Um, I am, in the, I'm afraid of him. In the end of the season. And I know you're afraid of him because of James Cook, but I still believe in Devin Singletary. I think James Cook was brought in to kind of push Zach Moss because Zach Moss is another guy that they had drafted who hasn't really done anything. And Devin Singletary has beat out any any other guy that uh, Buffalo has tried to put in front of him. Yeah, but here's my concerns with that because I, I thought, you know, I understand the appeal of Devin Singletary. I will not be drafting Devin Singletary because I kind of see it as somewhat of the uh, same running back room as uh, Antonio Gibson and, and the commanders. I I don't want any piece of that off or that, that running back room until I, I have figured it out. And by then it'll probably be too late for myself. But I think that, that James Cook and both Zach Moss are going to be more involved in the passing game. And I think that Devin Singletary is going to hurt for that. You saw what the Bills did in the offseason. They were extremely interested in getting J.D. McKissick in large part because he is a, a pass-catching running back. James Cook did that. They wanted that out of Zach Moss, and I think Devin Singletary is going to hurt for that. They didn't get J.D. McKissick, and that's in large part why they drafted James Cook, I believe, to kind of fulfill that role. And I just don't know how that running back room is going to play out. And the for that reason, stuff knows what they have in Zach Moss, though. And well, Singletary the- clearly beat out Zach Moss last year. Which is so fine. I think Zach, Zach Moss, Moss's case is kind of irrelevant at this point. I, I agree and disagree. I think that Zach Moss, in large part, his I see him moving into an RB3 role because they drafted James Cook early in order to try and get a pass catching back. And that was what they were hoping Zach Moss was going to do. And he didn't, he was not able to do that. I think we're going to yeah, see so more of a split backfield this year. Cook being brought in is more of an indictment on Zach Moss than it is Singletary. And I think for a guy that you can get late and Devin Singletary, I mean, I don't think it's, a, it's not saying he's a bust or anything if you um, get him that late. Now, obviously, no. if Singletary was going in the fifth round or something, I'd be, I'd be out completely. But for a guy that has RB2 upside every week that late, give me Singletary until he has proven that he can't lead that backfield. Okay. Who would you like to talk about next for what team? Because I got the Chiefs next. Okay, go ahead. Take it away. 
So Kansas City um, is the second most, uh, or they have the second most implied points per game with 27 uh, next or this season. Uh, one guy uh, that I want to talk about is Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Isaiah is a guy generating a shit ton of hype during training camp in the preseason for obvious reasons, or for good reasons, I should say. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is a rookie that they drafted in the seventh round this season, who I think could eventually replace Clyde Edwards-Elair. Um, during the preseason games, uh, Pacheco has been the first guy to replace Clyde. Uh, even last week when Patrick Mahomes uh, played for basically the first half, um, Clyde, or yeah, Pacheco got most of the snaps over Clyde. And I think Pacheco has looked a lot more explosive between the two uh, running backs. And I think something to note out of that backfield is over the past few years with Mahomes starting, Kansas City's running backs average a top 10 weekly finish. Um, so if Isaiah Pacheco does eventually outpace Clyde and starts over Clyde, I think Pacheco is he's worth a stash in the 15th, 16th round when you can get him right now. Hundred um, percent. I my only con I, I don't have a lot of concern here because I agree with you. I just you have to have enough bench depth to do it. I think, and yeah. that's that's where I think a lot of people don't in a redraft format, in a dynasty format. Yeah, you're grabbing him right because he's slated to have a really really big role for them. I would say if you don't have the bench depth to do it, and I'm assuming a lot of you do not. Just be very wary of it so you can grab him off waivers if he ends up taking over that role rather quickly. Yep. And I, I think if he does replace Clyde eventually, I mean, I'd rather be early on Pacheco yeah. than late because that, the dude is a stud. He's a playmaker. Um, you, he wears number 10, and he kind of reminds me of Tyreek out there because of how explosive he is. Obviously not as fast as or talented as Tyreek but he's he's a quick little guy and he can make you miss if you're not you know if you're if you if you don't have both feet playing um, mm -hmm. so watch out for Pacheco uh, my second guy is Juju Smith-Schuster uh, Juju he's a really tough guy to figure out um, he scored the eighth most PPR points by wide receiver through two seasons um, in NFL history and then his last three seasons have been extremely disappointing uh, largely due to injuries. Now, his injuries in the last few seasons have driven his ADP price down to a point where he, I think he is a true lottery ticket um, as an alpha and in, in, in an offense that has an open 53% target share from last year. And I think Juju is a true position or possessional wide receiver, whereas he can run me short routes and medium routes or deep routes, um, and he can beat you in any route. So if Juju can stay healthy, I think he could be, like I said, a potential lottery ticket in the eighth or ninth round. Yeah. I, I have Juju on my list as well as uh, MVS, the two people that I currently have on my list. I am, I am excited for MVS this year, especially at his current ADP, I think is, is worth a very sufficient dart throw at, at getting a wide receiver that is going to produce much better than where he's currently being drafted. It, it's the Chiefs offense, right? We know what Patrick Mahomes can do. We know what he is able, how, I mean, what he's able to do for some of these wide receivers or more specifically a wide receiver, that being Tyreek Hill. And, and guess what? Tyreek Hill is not there anymore. He has 159 targets that he's taking with him. That means Patrick Mahomes is going to have to spread the ball 
I, I firmly believe that the offense this year for the Chiefs is going to look a little bit different than what we have seen in years past. I think that they're going to be spreading the ball more. I, I think that they really don't have a choice because they don't have Tyreek Hill they, and they still have Travis Kelsey. But beyond that, they have a group of talented wide receivers. And I think that we're going to see them kind of utilize more of them all around the field. I love MVS because he is he is not a slot guy. He's he's kind of an edge guy. MVS is very fast. He signed a three-year deal with the Chiefs, which tells me that they want to keep him around for the foreseeable future. And I, I like both MVS and Juju. I think MVS is kind of that perimeter deep threat wide receiver. And Patrick Mahomes is, I mean, that's what Tyreek Hill was able to do, right? And, and while I'm not trying to compare MVS to Tyreek Hill because they are different wide receivers, that is the type of role that I think MBS is going to suit for them while Juju plays more of that slot receiver role. And I think they're both going to be great. And and I the only reason I think I'm a little bit more excited for MBS is solely due to his ADP because Juju is coming off of injury. He signed a one-year deal. He has not been super efficient in large part due to injury, but he's going to be playing with Patrick Mahomes, and that is something to be excited about. So I, I like both these guys, and I included them both on my list. And that was a lot to say. So, Yeti, who, what team would you like to talk about next? Because when I started this, I accidentally did four. So, whatever team you want to talk about, I probably have the notes for them. Uh, we got the Bucks as the third yeah. highest uh, points per game with 26.7. So, let's go ahead and talk about the Bucks. I may or may not have cheated on my first pick, so I am sorry. Is it, but, uh, is it Mike Evans? No, it is not Mike Evans. It's okay. a guy who is on the 25 line in Leonard Fournette. Uh, he is currently the 25th ADP uh, player right now. So sorry. Um, I was kind of hesitant to talk about Fournette because Tampa Bay's offensive line has lost two starters already uh, in this in this uh, training camp. They lost their center, who was arguably one of the best centers in the game. And then they lost a guard who was one of the best run blocking guards in the league. Um, and then also their right tackle, uh, Tristan Wirfs, he's dealing with injury right now as well. <laughs> so they are for sure without two starting offensive linemen and maybe a third. And while the, the lane, the offensive line is going to struggle early, I think the usage that playoff Lenny sees is what makes him a smash play every week. So last season, he initially split time with Rojo up until their week nine bye. Uh, so before the week nine bye, he had 56% uh, of the carry share and 11% of the target share. But after he took over the role, after their week nine bye, he had 62% carry share and then 18% targets um, after the bye. So his usage is going to be insane, and he doesn't really have any competition outside of a running back in uh, like, Rashad White's name. Yeah, Rashad White, who's going to spell him when Fournette gets tired. Um, so I think Fournette is a smash play this season. Um, no, I, I I like that. I just want to pause real quick because I, I really do like that. Um, does the, the offensive line injury bear any concern for you? Slightly, um, but I think the volume that he's seen out of the backfield too with Tom Brady throwing the ball, I think that outweighs the the concerns that I have with Fournette running the ball because he's going to see a lot of the targets, which is key for a PPR league or half-point PPR league. Um, 
And then I, I do think that offensive line will get better over time. I think it's going to take time for them to gel, obviously, to replace the the two guys that they lost for the season. But I do think they will find something. Um, Tom Brady is at the helm, and they will find something that works. Um, and I think the offensive line, like I said, will progressively get better as the season goes. So okay. I think Fournette is still, I think he's safe based off the targets that he'll see. Okay. And uh, who's your other player? My second player is Julio Jones. Um, so all reports out of Tampa Bay's training camp is that Julio is playing fast. He looks smooth and he has clicked with Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, Julio Jones is getting up there in age and he has dealt with injury. But I think his role is going to be a, he's not going to have to be the wide receiver one in, in this offense like he was like he had to be for Atlanta for so many years or even a wide receiver two that he had to be for Tennessee. Um, I, I think that Julio's role on this team is really going to be in the red zone. Um, last season, Tampa Bay, they threw the ball the most in the league. And they have an open 150 targets um, with 12 red zone targets open with the departure of AB and Gronk. I think Julio's role is going to shine, obviously, like I said, in the red zone because he's a big body guy. And if he is healthy, he can still break you off the line and he can still beat you in the, you know, in the 50-50 balls. So I think Julio... Yeah, of course. Not. <laughs> okay, I just yeah, wanted to. I wanted to beats everybody. Okay, um, thank you. He can cover anybody, but um, I think Julio. He's he might be a sneaky stash play. Um, I was thinking outside the box here with going Julio, and I think he has a role um, in the red zone. So uh, sign me up, kind of like Adam Thielen, yeah. in my opinion. Sure, and I I I don't I don't hate that. I, I Russell Gage. I'm sad. I mean, that's that's bottom line is I'm just sad because I was excited for him when he signed there. But Julio Jones signing there definitely makes it a little bit more difficult. I'm going to actually talk about a different team because uh, I, I kind of want to touch on these guys as somebody who I think a lot of people are down on and understandably so. But I want to talk about the Packers for just a moment because they are in the top five for uh, projected points this year with Vegas. And I want to talk about them. In large part, I want to talk about these two players and A.J. Dillon. Um, AJ Dillon, I'm extremely excited about currently his ADP is 68, right? And that puts him what six round ish. I think is kind of where he's going six, seventh area, somewhere on there. I find myself grabbing him a little bit before that, uh, in large part due to the fact that, um, Devonte Adams is not there anymore. Devonte Adams had 170 targets last year and that's just gone. There is a lot of hype around both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has come out and said that we need the best 11 players on the field, and I think both these guys are it. A.J. Dillon has got a lot of hype from beat reporters. He's been lining up in the slot role. He's been lining up in a two-down back role. They're, they're getting him involved all around the field because he is a talent. He's also a running back, right? So being able to get a running back. I mean, Coach LaFleur said yesterday that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are, are 1A and 1A. Like that is what that is what the head coach said is he does not look at him as a backup. He's going to be on the field, both him and Aaron Jones early and often. And I'm excited for that because it's an offense that is going to need help. The other person I want to talk about is Alan Lazard. Currently, his ADP is at 98 right now. And I think that he is probably the best bet to draft for wide receiver, given the current situation that they're in. Like I mentioned, Devontae Adams, 169 targets last year. That's gone. 
Aaron Rodgers has to find a receiver to throw to. And currently right now, Alan Lazard, I think, is is slated to be able to do a lot better than he has in recent years, in large part due to the fact that he has played for the Packers before. He has a, a rapport with Aaron Rodgers. And while I don't think he is anywhere near as close, as talented as Devontae Adams, they need wide receiver help. We've seen the Sammy Watkins experiment over and over again, and it fails. We saw it with Mahomes. He got hurt. We saw it with the Bills. He was hurt. We saw it with, uh, I can't remember the team he was with last year, and he was hurt. It was um, the Ravens, I believe. Yeah, the Ravens. Yeah, and he was hurt. I mean, we, we have seen the Sammy Watkins thing. It doesn't ever pan out, right? And I like Alan Lazard. He's a late-round grab, and I, I think that that he's slated to be he's slated to benefit for this, both him and AJ Dillon. So I just wanted to point both those guys out because I know that a lot of people are down on on the Packers due to Devontae Adams leaving, and that is a devastating blow. But somebody's going to have to do something in this offense, and I think there's an argument to be made that both these guys will. Since we're on the we're using Vegas here in our episode, I, I wanted to bring up Alan Lazard's. Uh, reception prop that DraftKings Sportsbook has on him. So right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is projecting Alan Lazard to have 56 and a half targets as the wide receiver one on that offense. That is behind Aaron Jones. <laughs> Aaron Jones <laughs> is currently the leading reception guy for Green Bay with 66 and a half receptions. That's crazy to me, right? Dude, I, I would take I, that prop. On Alan Lazard, yes, but yeah. it, it just it it's it goes to show that the, nobody really knows what the fuck is going on in that backfield because you have reports of Romeo Dubs being a guy, you have Christian Watson, he's apparently coming back and practicing with the ones already. Who the it's, fuck it's knows? Tough, I, but I mean, I, I, I hope it is Lazard because I am high on Lazard too, and I mean, when given the opportunity last season, he looks good, right? Without yeah. MVS, he looked good uh, when MVS got hurt. And I hope he does get that chance, but it's such a toss-up. It's hard, and I mean, I don't hate it at his current ADP, but we're we're throwing darts. We are, we are, and I, I understand that. But I I think that is at a huge risk to draft him as late as he's going. I mean, if we're talking like a Definitely six or seventh round pick, no. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it's it's worth the grab because you might hit. It's part of DGen life, and it's part of fantasy football. Is you you. <laughs> Sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit, and I, I don't hate where his ADP is currently at. We're going to move on to the bottom teams. So I uh, I don't know where they're ranking one through three. Like I said, I kind of did a medley of things here. So I have the Texans first. I don't know if they're on your list at all, Yeti. Um, yep, so the Texans are the worst projected offense with 19.6 points per game. Hmm. Okay, well, I'll just say both my players. I'm assuming you probably have <laughs> Damian Pierce, I would guess. I did not put him because I knew you would. Okay. So and I, I, I faded Pierce. Okay. And Brandon Cooks is my other yeah, one. Yeah, Brandon Cooks. Okay. Yep. I mean, I, I there's some stats that I've regurgitated from previous episodes that I would just like to to mention about Brandon Cooks is he is a wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver one for the Texans, and he is uh, he's he was my safe bet for wide receiver. You know, when we were doing wide receiver plays this year, he's the safest wide receiver, and I really believe that he since 2014. He has played for four different teams, and he has been able to amass over a 1,000 yards on each of these teams that he has played with. In the six of the eight years he has been in the league, he's been able to get over a 1,000 yards. And since joining the Texans in 2020, he has had over a 1,000-yard seasons both times, right? 
there was some skepticism last year with the addition of Davis Mills as a rookie quarterback, and Dave, and that was scary, right? Brandon Cooks, I don't know. Can Mills get it done? And he was able to do that. He was able to still supplement Brandon Cooks as a usable wide receiver. Mechie got hurt. Cooks is going as like a sixth-round, seventh-round wide receiver. And I want to say that if memory serves, he uh, he finished in the top 24 last year. So I, I, he's he's a guy that I I feel safe drafting, and if I'm looking for a wide receiver around that ADP, he's who I'm grabbing, and and that's that's what I have for stats. I don't know if you have anything else, Yeti. Nope, you nailed it. You nailed okay. Brandon Cooks. I feel like okay. we <laughs> we've talked about him. We have. I feel like every other episode, just because he's <laughs> he's we should just name this the off. Brandon Cooks podcast. Yeah, basically, he's always overlooked by people. He is. Uh, the other Except person for I have us. Is, yeah. So yeah, we know we're smart. And we're passing yeah. that knowledge on to these brainiacs. We should yep. all get Brandon Cook jerseys, honestly. <sighs> we should. That would be cool. We'll think about it. Damian Pierce, ADP 114. I am grabbing Pierce in most of the leagues that I am drafting in. I find myself grabbing him in mock drafts. Yeti, I know you and I compete for him early and often. Uh, and we're playing the reach game a lot. Um I like Pierce, man, and I think that he is competing with a backfield that he has a, a true chance to be a starter in. Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead are the two running backs there. Uh, the beat reporters have come out and said that, you know, he is he's doing great and he's working with the ones. He was drafted this year in the fourth round by the Texans, and I get it. The Texans are not a sexy team. They are not a great team, but at that late of an ADP being able to get a starting running back, regardless of the team, that's what you're looking for is you're looking for a guy who, who can be a starting running back. And then, you know, he was getting hyped up and with, um, with the reporters and everything. And then to top it all off, he, uh, he ended up, he's resting with the starters during the preseason games. So I think that's a really good indication that he will be involved in this offense. And, and I think that there is a, a real argument to be made that he could win the running back role there. That late in the draft, I'm taking him every chance I get. Yeah, one one thing to point out, too, is that the coaching staff was asked by reporters why he wasn't playing, and they said something to the effect of, we've seen what we need to see from him. There's no reason for us to play him at this point in time. We've seen what we it, which which seems to me to be a clear indicator that this guy's got the number one position locked down. The question is, to what degree is this going to be a committee backfield? For sure. Yeti, what do you think? Yep. And since I, I faded Pierce, um, I just want to preface this by saying this is a complete dart. Um, so I'm I'm sorry to anybody listening. Is it Mills Mafia? Uh, no, it's not Davis damn Mills. It. I, damn it. Wow. I should have done Davis Mills. You should have. Ah, shit. Uh, no, I, I didn't do Mills, uh, but I did the other wide receiver for Houston and Nico Collins. Uh, so as a rookie, Collins finished with the second most targets for Houston last season with 60. Uh, not great, obviously. Uh, but he had five in the red zone, uh, five red zone, five red zone targets. Um, he had 446 receiving yards and one TD. Um, and I think Collins is going to benefit this year from Cooks drawing the coverage away from him. Um, now, obviously, Houston had drafted John Mechie, who is unfortunately out for the season with cancer. Hope everything goes well there. Um, but this gives Nico Collins the um, the green light as wide receiver, too. And with Houston playing from behind a lot this season and with questions at tight end and questions at, you know, big body receiver positions, uh, look for Nico Collins, who is 6'4", to be featured in the red zone more this season with an improved Davis Mills. 
So like I said, this is a complete dart throw. And for the sake of our uh, segment, I went with Nico Collins. Okay, that's fair. I like that. And I he's someone that I kind of forget about, but because uh, <laughs> it's not a great team and it's not a great it's, offense. Yeah, and, and I'm not I saying draft him. <laughs> and yeah. I love Brandon Cooks, but, um, you know, Nico Collins, somebody else has got to get some targets, right? <laughs> so. That's true. Who's your second team here? Uh, the Falcons are my second team okay. with, um, they have an implied points per game of 20.1. Okay. Um, Why don't you start you this me one to, off? Yeah, okay. we'll, I'll start this off. Yep. Um, my first guy is Kyle Pitts. So Kyle Pitts, he's coming off a season where he finished as the tight end seven, which was disappointing uh, to a lot of people. Um, Kyle Pitts had the fifth most targets with 110. He was third in receiving yards with 1,026 receiving yards. But what really set him back is the fact that he only had one touchdown last season. Um, he's got to be, he's got to have more touchdowns this season, right? He's got to have at least two. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I hope so. I, I, yeah, I fucking hope so too. But I mean, there's reason to be concerned with Atlanta's passing game and, and that offense in general, right? Um, they're going to struggle some with a combination of Marcus Mariota and then maybe Desmond Ritter taking over at some point um, during the season. But I think Kyle Pitts, the combination of his talent and the projected volume that he is going to see makes him an easy pick in the third round where he's going right now. Are you drafted um, him, Yeti? I'm very interested in him. That's all I'm going to say. If, uh, <laughs> some, if something doesn't work out, then I... Um, I have my eyes on Pitts, but well, here's um, the thing too I, I just, about Pitts. Just to, just to interject, is that I I will go out on a ledge and say Pitts is the best value at tight end uh, when it comes to not you're getting an elite tight end, which is who's getting an elite target share, and you don't have to draft him in the first and second round. Uh, that is a damn good value, and I think there's a very good chance Pitts finishes top three tight end, possibly above uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and I I just wanted to add on to that. Um, that when Marcus Mariota was a starter in Tennessee, his leading receiver for the for three of his five starting seasons was Delaney Walker, who was a tight end. And I have Delaney not heard Walker that in had, a while. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, Delaney Walker, he had over 100 targets in those three years that he was with Marcus Mariota. So obviously, offenses are going to be a little bit different, but I think Mariota favors those shorter routes. And I think Kyle Pitts is a guy who is extremely talented and is going to dominate the target share in Atlanta. So. And on, on top of that, too, just one last thing here. Sorry to keep interrupting you. But the, the the primary reason that people are fading Kyle Pitts and part of the reason why we've you know hated on him a little bit on this podcast is because of the quarterback play. But I, I've been looking into this a little bit more recently. And tight ends just historically aren't that reliant on a good quarterback. You could even look as recently as last year. You look at Mark Andrews and how successful he was with backup quarterbacks in that offense. Um, you know, it's it is it's it's not something to write off Kyle Pitts for because the quarterbacks aren't that great. And then considering, especially as we talked about in last episode, how often Mariota is known to throw to his tight ends, there's no reason to fade Kyle Pitts. I mean, he is a good value at at his current ADP. Look, I. I I think more than anything else, it's an the argument of having a good tight end that is usable for fantasy football is probably not so much the quarterback play, but the other personnel that are on the field play. Because you look at it, you know, uh, when Mark Andrews was super successful, I, I think Hollywood was hurt for a couple of those games, so he was kind of in and out, and it was him and Bateman, right? Um, I, I like, you know, Kelsey, another great example. 
it was him and Tyreek Hill. And yeah, you could sprinkle in Miko Hardman and or whoever the other wide receiver would be at any given time. But those are the two that mainly feasted. So I think the quarterbacks, even if they're backup quarterbacks, tend to look towards the people who are going to make the plays. And that's, you know, if you're a top tier tight end and you are usable and and getting the job done, they're going to look for you. So I have Drake London is is one of mine. Um, I like his ADP at 82. He was the eighth overall pick for the Falcons. And a lot of analysts are stating that he is the most complete wide receiver uh, in that draft. I know Yeti is also one of those analysts that has said that. Um, But that's he's late round wide receiver one. That's what he's going to be for that team. Granted, it's not a great team. Marcus Mariota is not a great quarterback, but I think between both, and I actually had this written down here, I think both Drake London and Kyle Pitts, they're going to have to be the the main people on that offense that get the job done. And I think that's going to be the guys that Marcus Mariota is turning to to get the ball in their hands so they can make plays. They're both big freaking dudes. They're both athletic. They're both young. They are both going to do well in that offense. And, uh, and you're getting a wide receiver one. Like I said, granted, it's not on a great team with not a great quarterback, but I think you're. I think both those guys are going to benefit for it. I have to say, when Atlanta drafts a quarterback in the first round next season, they're going to be set up for success with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. So and Calvin Ridley. Um, oh yeah, he should be back too. He I mean, should be yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I'm getting excited about Atlanta. Who's your other person you for the Falcons? <laughs> uh, so my second guy is Cordero Cordero Patterson. Really. Um, yeah, Patterson, okay. he was one of the biggest fantasy football surprises last season. Um, he finished as the RB9 behind 618 rushing yards, 548 receiving yards, and 11 touchdowns. Patterson, he tailed off late last season due to injury, and he's getting up there in age. Yes, um, it was a good offseason for him, though. Um, Atlanta, they lost Mike Davis, and they they drafted a running back late in the draft and Tyler Algier, and then they picked up Damian Williams. Um, I understand the regression talk, and I understand Cordero. He is getting up there in age, but he finished as an RB9 last season, and he's going off at the RB30 now. Um, They have no wide receivers, and he's going to be using the slot in addition to out of the backfield. Um, So even if he's healthy for the first half of the season, if he can help me win those first eight games, then sign me up for Cordero late. I have Tyler Algier on mine. That's who I have. Ooh, it is, we're fighting. I, I, look, it's not because of Cordero as a running back. It's because of Cordero as a receiver. That's why I have Tyler Algier on my list because let's not forget, people, Cordero Patterson, he was a wide receiver in the NFL. That was his job. That was what he was doing. He would return kickoffs and punts, and he was listed as a wide receiver. And then they needed him as a running back, and he was able to actually do very, very well. But who are their current wide receivers right now? Drake London? Kyle Pitts? Who, who else is on there? For, I can't even think of another wide receiver on that team. Granted, Kyle Pitts is a tight end. Like That's part of the issue. So I, I think that maybe we'll see Cordero because last year he was used in the receiving game as a running back quite a bit. Perhaps we can see him transition more back into a, uh, maybe a slot wide receiver and get some of these running backs the ball. Tyler Algier has been mixed in with uh, with some of the starters, getting him some reps there, as well as Damian Williams. They've all kind of been gadget played in there and, and being introduced to the offense with the first team. And I think that there there is a possibility 
maybe not at the beginning of the season, but as they continue to progress, that Tyler Algier ends up becoming somewhat of a, a usable running back in that offense because they need help in other places. And I, I, I believe, if memory serves, beat reporters were also saying that Patterson is getting some work in in the slot. Why? Because they need help there. And that's he's he. I mean, he is he's usable in a lot of different ways. That's where he came from. So that's why I have Al Jair in mind. And it's not because I don't like Cordero Patterson. It's because they need him and maybe they need him in other roles. And that's my galaxy brain talk for the Falcons. Or my dumb brain, I guess. Take your pick. But who do you have as the third team? Um, The Jets. But I really don't want to talk about the Jets, so we can do one guy and some uh, another guy from some other team if you would like. Sure, I'll, I'll do one guy from the Bears, and then you can do one guy, and we'll call it a day. How's that sound? Okay. Okay. You want me to talk about the Jets players, so or- you can talk about whoever you want. I, I'll mm-hmm. start, so that way you can finish us off on maybe a good okay. note. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Cole Komet. For the Bears. Fuck, ADP- that's who I wanted to talk about, too. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, I like Cole Komet, man. And he's somebody who you were not really hearing a lot about. His ADP is 116th. And I think he's got a shit ton of upside this year. I really, truly do. Um, let's think about who Fields has to throw, through, throw to for just a moment. Okay? Darnell Mooney. That's it. That's all. That is the only person. He, I mean, he's got Byron Pringle, who may is like facing a six-week suspension and is not that great to begin with. Um, and then he's got Nikhil Harry, who they drafted from the Patriots, who really hasn't done a lot in the NFL thus far. You can make an argument and that it was Bill Bell. What's that? He's hurt, too. I think he's yeah. out for like the first that, that, half of the season. Jesus. Uh, and beat reporters are stating that, that Komet and Fields have a really great connection. Look at the preseason game. Fields has in Fields is very limited time on the field. He has targeted Komet more than once. So they have a good relationship. He's being drafted extremely late. And I think he's a really, really sneaky pick with a shit ton of upside. And I if I was looking for a tight end, Cole Komet's that guy. Because yeah. while Alibi it's the Bears, it's not a great team at all. They're gonna I, I think they're gonna be down by a lot. I think they're gonna be throwing a lot, and that benefits both Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, because I think that those are the two guys that are probably going to have to get the job done for the for the Bears. So Cole Komet last season, he had 93 targets, and that was with Jimmy Graham uh, rotating in there uh, for some for some snaps. Uh, Jimmy Graham had 23 targets at the tight end position, with eight of those touches or targets being in the end zone. Uh, Jimmy Graham also had three touchdowns. Jimmy Graham is no longer with the Bears. I didn't even realize he played last season. I didn't um, either. Yeah, isn't that crazy? But yeah. Cole Komet could finish with over 100 targets based off the fact that Jimmy Graham is gone now. And Cole Komet didn't have any touchdowns last season. So if you add three, four touchdowns to his name, he might have finished in the top 10 just because tight end is such a volatile position. Mm. Um, I love that Cole Komet pick. And he's going so late in drafts. And I think um, he is, he's uh, he's going to be a good value tight end for somebody. Um, I agree. Who do you want to talk about? And well, since I wanted to talk about Komet, I guess I'm fucking talking about the Jets. So I will talk about Elijah Moore. Um, Elijah, Elijah Moore as a guy I am targeting um, on shit on a very shitty offense, maybe good offense. We'll see. Um, but the Jets are projected to have the third least amount of points per game with 
like the Falcons. Um, Elijah Moore um, has seen his ADP fall. You said, wait, are the Falcons and the Jets the same? Yes, Falcons and the Jets are 20.1 points. Okay, who who finishes with a better record this year? Between the Jets and Falcons? Yeah, let's let's get a little a little side wager going. Scotty, who are you taking? Jets or Falcons? Jets. Uh Jets or Falcons as far as what? I'm sorry. I was uh I was Who busy. finishes with a better record this year? Mm-hmm. Your terrible producer. Hold on. I was doing producer stuff. I'm taking times time what do you call it? Time stamps? Minutes? I'm taking minutes on this episode. Like a very important person. Okay. Who are you taking for who finishes with a better record? Jets or Falcons? Jets. Yeah, I'm also taking the Jets. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, well, Yeti. Continue fight. your Elijah Moore uh, All analysis. Right. We're, we're right in the Elijah Moore train. Um, so Elijah Moore's ADP has fallen partly due to the fact that uh, the Jets felt they needed another wide receiver and they drafted Garrett Wilson with their first uh, first round pick. Um, but give me uh, the proven NFL wide receiver and Elijah Moore who has a clear connection with uh, Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco if Zach Wilson can't perform. Uh, Moore started off very slowly last season, but he picked it up around week eight. Uh, Elijah Moore went on a tear from week eight to 13 when he saw his targets go up to double digits digits consistently. Um, And he missed the last five games due to injury. That's why I capped it from week eight to week 13. But during that stretch, Moore was a... Yeah, I cheated, and I'm sorry. Uh, Moore was a wide receiver, too, during that stretch with 51 targets, 459 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. And that's he was only behind Justin Jefferson, which is crazy to think that somebody on the Jets was putting up these kind of numbers and uh, is a guy that you can get super late right now. Um, I, I get it. It's a crowded room right now, but Elijah Moore has been the buzz of training camp and the preseason right now. Um, so give me Elijah Moore, who has proven over Garrett Wilson at this point. Would you rather have Gabriel Davis or Elijah Moore? <laughs> oh, God. Give me Elijah Moore just because I think he's a wide receiver one in that offense. And like I said, he has a he has a connection with Zach Wilson. And then if he misses time, Joe Flacco is more than capable of getting more of the ball. Rashad Bateman or Elijah Moore? Rashad Bateman. Rashad okay. Bateman is a wide receiver one. Okay. Well, I mean, so is Elijah Moore, maybe. Uh, just fantasy-wise, I, I could see Bateman having wide receiver one upside. More likely wide receiver two, but I think he has wide receiver one upside every week. Okay. All right, that's it we, for all the time that we have for the breakdown of the best and worst teams and some players we are targeting for fantasy. Let's move on to the questions. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. A little early. I don't know how that sounded for you guys. Mm. Early? That was decent. Terrible. Well, okay, before we start the questions here, I did did want to just briefly give a shout-out to Mr. J-Wall, who I am am keeping minutes for this episode for the purpose of allowing J-Wall to come in and create some good social media content where we can move the podcast content over to our great Brainiac following on Twitter and other platforms. So thanks, J-Wall. Appreciate it. But I'm also realizing that when I'm not talking, all I do is drink, and all of a sudden, I'm kind of drunk. And this is this what is a great producer. 
We're going to have to have some serious conversations off the air about your production. Mm, I think we're going to need to have some serious conversations about your lack of drinking during this podcast. I think it's, that's it is true. You. Oh, I had a beer. It is you. I had a beer. I had a beer. Ah, I'm just going to stay silent. Over but I can't, I can't go anything. get another beer because I'm, I'm, I'm busy. Well, you probably you on the other hand, you I snuck asked, up behind yeah. me. You grabbed a bottle of whiskey. You were just <laughs> just living your best life, and I'm over here parched and and like a camel out in the desert, needing some mm. drink. Well, next time I will bring you a glass and I will set it neatly in front of you. That way, you have it. That'd be for, nice. Uh, for the Don't future. make it neat though. Mm, I'll have make to if dirty. I'm going down there. All right. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. All right. So first question comes from awful underscore trigger. He uh, notes astutely that both DK Metcalf and he or she, that's true. uh, Both DK Metcalf and Darnell Mooney seem to be getting drafted around the same spot in redraft formats in mocks that he's been doing. Which of those two would you rather have Yeti and do not disappoint me? Um, Darnell Mooney. I'm going to say Darnell Mooney last season finished as a wide receiver 24 in PPR, um, but he was 11th in targets with 140 and then 14th in yards, uh, receiving yards with 1,055. Um, Chicago didn't do Justin Fields any favors this season um, in the fact that they didn't bring anybody into that offense, but I think that greatly benefits Darnell Mooney, who's really only competing with Cole Komet, who we talked about just a little bit ago. Um, Mooney is a clear wide receiver one on that offense. And he's going to see 140 targets at least again this season because Chicago is going to be playing from behind a lot more. Um, So give me Mooney over DK, uh, especially when you consider their current ADPs. I believe Mooney's going in the eighth round or or around that range, whereas DK is going earlier. Um, So I would much rather have Mooney. Would you rather have Mooney or Bateman? Um... For upside, I would go Bateman. If you want to be safe, I would go Mooney. All right, Hunter, what do you think? I agree. I would rather have Mooney than DK, in large part for everything that Yeti has said. Beautiful. Neither of you let me down, so I appreciate that. We'll move on to the next question from Rocco's Modern Life. Who would you rather have like in a name. redraft one quarterback league? JT or Alvin Kamara and Montgomery? What do you think, Hunter? I'm still taking JT here. Alvin Kamara, I like Alvin Kamara. I think that he is a great running back. I can't say exactly the same for David Montgomery. David Montgomery has some injury concerns. He's on a shitty offense. JT is a lock for me. He's somebody who is going to finish as a top-end running back, and while Alvin Kamara could still do that, I don't know if Montgomery is even feasible to use as an RB2 at weeks due to his injury concerns and due to that shitty offense. So, JT, I know what I'm getting, and I just don't think that the depth piece between these running backs is enough for me to sway me on the other side. So I'm taking JT. Yeah, for me, this question really comes down to JT or Alvin Kamara because I have I have gone on to say that David Montgomery is a bust. Um, I think um, Montgomery's days are numbered with Chicago primarily because Cleo Herbert is a much better fit in that offense. Um and he's younger than David Montgomery at this point. Um, and when you're comparing JT or Alvin Kamara, JT is the pick always. Um, so give me JT over both of those guys. All right. Next question comes from, I think 
he would or he or she would pronounce it Danny Miller. Uh, he's got a keeper question. They have a keeper question. Um, have a couple good value wide receivers, but they're struggling with ones that have the most upside. Which one do they not keep? Kareem Hunt in the eighth, Gabe, Dav- Gabe Davis in the 14th, Rashad Bateman in the 15th, or Amon Ra St. Brown in the 16th. Yeti. This is this is a tough one to be honest. Um, I would, hmm. I would <laughs> lean tough. towards not tough. keep because the value that you're getting with these wide receivers is so good. Yeah. Um, God, I, I think you have to let go of Raw Dog. Honestly, um, I say that because Kareem Hunt. I think he's going to be a great uh, RB play. He could fill in as your RB two if you wanted to on your roster. And I think getting him in the eighth round, which is uh, lower than his current ADP. I think you keep Kareem. Gabe Davis is a guy that slaps. I talked about earlier in this episode and I'm on board uh, the Gabe Davis train. Um, He finished as a wide receiver 25 from uh, week 12 on, uh, onto the rest of the season. And I use week 12 because that's when he saw 70% of the target snaps. Um, And, and now that, Gabe Davis is cemented as a wide receiver too. He's going to be getting consistent target share or uh, snaps every week. So I like Gabe Davis's upside this year. And then I talked about Bateman a little bit too. I think his upside is wide receiver one every week, potential upside, more realistic, I think wide receiver two. Uh, But the fact that Hollywood is gone and he's leaving 146 targets with over a thousand receiving yards available I think Bateman is a clear favorite to get that volume. And I love Bateman um, in the 15th round. So Raw Dog is unfortunately the last dog to be cut or be put around the barn. Yeah. Put a bullet in his head. Sorry, Raw Dog. Jeez. No, I, I agree completely. I, yeah, don't, don't actually come. I, and I, I think I'm in Raw, like, if I were to think about this the only thing i would consider doing differently is maybe not keeping kareem hunt and keeping all three of these wide receivers solely in in large part due to the fact that they are so late in the draft and you're getting extreme value for all three of them but uh, i tend to agree with you yeti i think that you have to keep kareem hunt because he's a he's a usable rb2 and i think right now he's kind of going sixth seventh roundish area and uh, and you're still getting value for him there and you have him locked so those those would be the three guys i would keep as well yeah. Well, and the other thing to know too, is that if you're in a PPR league, Kareem Hunt becomes even more valuable. Um, so he's definitely someone I'm keeping for sure. And if you're in a PPR league, definitely you want him on your roster. So agreed. And St. Brown is one of those guys too, that caught fire at the end of the season, but you have to realize, I think that was largely due to the fact that guys were hurt. TJ Hawkinson and was Hawkinson. Out. Yeah. Yeah. They were both out. So St. Brown, he tore up the second half of the season or the later half of the season. So, um, Give me Kareem Hunt, Gabe Davis, and Bateman. Sorry, Rod Dog. Mm. All right, next question comes from Comfortable Art nine seven eight nine. What kind and of it, art do you think it is? Like well, what's what? comfortable? It would be my guess. Do you think like, a what's couch comfortable could be considered art? art? I was couch? thinking like yeah, underwater. Like on not not like doing art underwater, just like a picture of like some dolphins swimming along. Or maybe not even some dolphins, some like, like, like ugly fish, because that's realistic, but it's also kind of comfortable. Yeah, water is not at all comfortable for me. I, I am very afraid of water, and 
I, I was actually thinking about this the other Dude, day. you're made up of most of it. I don't, yeah, I, I mean, it's really the ocean that I'm talking about because even he doesn't know, know how to swim. Coming from so the Midwest, um, mm. I, I know how to swim enough, well enough to survive, but I would never do it, uh, you know, competitively or goodest anything. enough. Yeah, goodest enough to survive, but uh, I am afraid of the ocean for sure. And it's it's strange to me that given all the creatures which lurk deep in the the black <laughs> of that water, that people just choose to go float in it for no real reason. That doesn't make sense. To That's me. true. It's very scary. Okay, well, then we won't get in the water. <laughs> okay, that was a good segue. Okay. All right. Uh, Comfortable Art 9789 says, in a redraft format, if you had to choose, which would you take? Or rather, whom would you take? Cortland Sutton or Michael Pittman, Hunter? Give me Pity City, baby. Give me that Pity City. I have Michael Pittman finishing in my top 10 this year. We've I've touched on him a couple times throughout our, uh, our tenure here at Leather Brains. I like Michael Pittman quite a bit. I also like Cortland Sutton. I really do. But I the reason I'm taking Michael Pittman is due to the fact that I know what I'm getting out of Michael Pittman. Cortland Sutton, while there's a lot of beat reporters suggesting that he's going to be the guy for Russell Wilson, I don't want to take that risk. And, and it, it, I don't really think it's a risk, truth be told, because Russell Wilson has pro- proven that he can supplement two wide receivers at a very high level and both DK and Tyler Lockett. So I think that regardless if it's Cortland or uh, Jerry Judy that is seeing the the workload, they're both going to be fine options. But I think Michael Pittman finishes above them and I don't have to sit there and try and figure out, do I take Cortland Sutton or do I take Jerry Judy? So I'm taking Michael Pittman. Bingo bongo. All right. <laughs> All right, you made it easy. Next question comes from, you like that? Oh, wait. Say it like sexually. Oh, you like that? Oh, wait. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, well done. That's as sexy as I can be, so hopefully that uh, suffices. But he asks, he or she asks, in a PPR league, do you feel better about Najee or Cook Yeti? I feel like this is a question that Scotty could ask because I I think he's in a similar position. (laughs) Um, I I would answer it for you, and it's uh, Mr. Cook. 10 times out of 10. Yep. I would agree with that. That's who I was going to say. Not, I think they're both going to, they'll both be top 10 running backs, but I think Najee just scares me because the touches that he saw last season, he was very inefficient with. Um, And I don't, he's not going to see the same amount of uh, volume. He saw over 300 touches last season, which is fucking insane. Well, it was, it was and over 400 if you include his... Was uh, it over it was four? over 400 including his uh, his passes. So, you know, all, all included, I think it was like 415, which is, of course, not at all sustainable. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's insane to me. And then you bring in uh, Trubisky, who he's not much of a dual threat guy, but he isn't afraid to, you know, tuck the ball and run it, which is going to steal some touches from Najee. Um, obviously, obviously, I don't think it's enough to make that big of a difference, but I, I think uh, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's offensive line is garbage. They're not going to be able to run the ball a lot this year, and I, I much rather have Dalvin Cook on an offense that is going to be very explosive this year, um, especially with Dalvin Cook, who sees a he sees a decent amount of targets out of the backfield, and he sees all the carries out of the backfield too. He's not in a committee, so give me Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah yeah that's all i gotta say well the other thing to note about Najee too is that even if i would wager that even if big ben was playing again 
he's still going to see a lot of regression in terms of how many times he sees the ball. So you combine that with more mobile quarterbacks, and I just I can't imagine there's a world where he sees that same volume that he saw last year. Um, I will say, though, that Mitch Trubisky, I was looking at some stats today, and Mitch Trubisky and Big yeah. Ben at his career are actually yeah. pretty similar. Like, they're not all that different. Mitch Trubisky offers a little bit more rushing upside, but this offense is probably going to look pretty similar to how it did last year with Mr. Trubisky. Hell yeah. Sign me up. Kissing titties, baby. Are you uh, also taking uh, Cook? Slapdog? Yeah, I already said that. Yeah, I'm taking Cook. Oh, good deal. Okay, we'll move on no then to Lions 21-50. He is third overall in his redraft league, and he is certain that the two picks in front of him will be CMC and JC. So gauging what his best option should be, which of these would you choose? Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, or perhaps somebody else? Uh, Slapdog, I think. Yeah, it's me. I just got heartburn, and it hurts. Um, I am going... Slaps. I know, it's terrible. So for me, it's, it's either Justin Jefferson or Austin Eckler is really the two that I am <laughs> looking at. And yet you're laughing because you and I do this constant battle in our mock drafts because you and I are back-to-back -back and you were right before me. So it's, it's, it's really like a terrible thing that we mock every single day because we know each other's tendencies. I think sometimes we just try and screw with each other as far as who we're picking because we don't want to show our true hand because our actual draft is on is on Saturday. So at times I think we just we grab people just to, to screw with the other person and we have maybe no intentions of even drafting them. But uh, we've done, I, I would say, close to 70 or 80 mock drafts like we <laughs> I will neither conform confirm nor deny that statement yeah well yeah it, it's, but it goes without saying that given how many mock drafts we've done which I think is that's probably a pretty accurate estimate 70 or 80 I still have no fucking clue who Yeti's drafting first I still have no idea like it's just, I don't either. it's just a fucking mystery to me I don't either he, there's been times where he's taken Joe Mixon as the fourth overall pick so uh it's it is a big mystery but I, I truth be told, going back to Lion 2150's question, I think that it's between Justin Jefferson and Austin Eckler. The only concern I have with Justin Jefferson is not him finishing as a wide receiver, but you having a third overall pick. Because and I, I try and I'm trying to compare it to kind of what Yeti has for picks, but you're waiting quite a while before those running backs come back around again. And that could be somewhat problematic for you. I like Austin Eckler the most between the running backs there solely because of the offense that he's on, his pass catching ability, and and the upside that he provides week in and week out. I believe he finished his running back two last year, and and that's wise because he's he's on a great offense where they utilize him. He gets the ball a lot. Slight concern with injury, but nothing major. Um, nothing like Derrick Henry or CMC for me personally, and uh, and I like Austin Eckler a lot. So if I was looking for a running back at the third, he's who I would take. If it, and I, I haven't mock drafted enough is with the third overall pick and, and been looking at that team in particular to see where people are falling at. But Justin Jefferson would be the wide receiver I would take if that's what you want to do. Just mock draft enough to know if you can get some running backs following that because I'm trying to think like in the in the mock drafts that we do. I mean, right around there, Saquon, Kamara, and Nick Chubb are all right around that area. Um, I just don't know if they're making it all the way, but if any of those guys are making it back to the third, but you're going to need a top tier running back. And, and if you do, if you do take Justin Jefferson in the second, I would probably be looking for a running back with that second pick, depending upon who's still available. 
or at the very least, you have to by the third. That's my answer. Yeti, I don't know if you have a different opinion. Well, <laughs> but, yep. he doesn't want to give it away. But you uh, don't want no, to say. I'm I'm gonna stay silent on this one just because I am That's... drafting this weekend, <laughs> and I don't want Hunter to sneak some of my picks. Well, okay, um, so I'll I'll offer what I believe to be probably similar insight to what Yeti has, um, and I'll first start by saying it is going to depend on whether you're in a ten team league, twelve team league, or fourteen team league. If you're in a deeper league, you need to take running back first. And I would agree Austin Eckler is the choice. I think Dalvin Cook is a good second option as well, um, just given the fact that you can get a good handcuff later on. If you are in a shallower league, like a 10-team league, I don't hate JJ, but I still think it's a toss-up between him or Eckler. Um, So I think personally, just given the scarcity of the running back position, I'm going to go running back pretty much all the time in that first round, uh, if possible. But I wouldn't hate JJ in a shallower league. But if you're going a 12-team league or a 14-team league, you need to get a running back. And I think Eckler's the choice, in my opinion. I'll say if it's a PPR, full PPR, you want to go J-Jets. I think you go wide receiver with your pick. It's either Cup or J-Jets. And I personally think J-Jets is the better pick between Cup and J-Jets. So I would go J-Jets in a PPR format. What about a half PPR I guess Aaron Jones is around there, too. I don't know about a half point PPR. <laughs> All right. Well, no idea. We'll move on to our final selfish, question. Yeti. Since I want you to know a that. Douchebag about it. You're uh, a douche. Last question comes from Super Derek Nine. He is in a redraft one quarterback league. Who wins in this trade? CMC and Pitts or Kelsey and Eckler? Yeti. This is the ultimate like upside versus. This is, yeah, safe. this is risk reward here. I, I think. Hmm. Um, Personally, fuck. Is it is this PPR? If it's, I mean, I guess regardless, I'm gonna go Kelsey and Eckler. Um, I say that because you're getting the tight end one and possibly the RB one, RB two in this trade. Um, Kyle Pitts, he has upside to be the tight end one this year, uh, but it remains to be unseen, especially in an offense that. Um, we don't really know what it's going to look like with uh, Mariota at the helm. Um, and then CMC, I have said from the jump that CMC is my top running back this year in PPR formats, but injuries cons- are concerning, and it depends on how many times you have been burnt on CMC as well. Um, I think Eckler is a safer pick between the two of CMC and Eckler. Um, so give me Kelsey and Eckler. Yeah. That's who I'm also taking because like you just mentioned, I think this is the old, this is, it's risk reward. You know, if CMC hits and Pitts is able to perform like we hope he will, you win this trade if that's the side that you're on. But I, I just, I, I I have to take the safer, safer option in this one. CMC has struggled to stay healthy. Pitts is not on nearly as good of an offense. I think Kelsey and Eckler are the much safer pick. And for the the amount that you would be trading, I mean, if these were RB and tight, you know, RB and wide receiver twos, maybe take the risk. But these are prominent guys that are going to have to play week in and week out for your fantasy team. And I'm not willing to risk everything for that in the hopes that those two pan out and Kelsey and Eckler are just too safe for me. So I'm taking that as well. All right, that's it. That's it. That's all. Almost fell over. My ass is going numb sitting in this stool. And that is all the questions that we have. Sorry, Lions, I would like to give a sincere apology, Lions2150, for um, one of us not not answering the question to its fullest ability. 
it's, I think that's real selfish and I'm, I'm sorry that, that that happened to you. So um, I'm looking over. Well, there lions, um, you know, if we didn't have a snake, I would be giving up my, my picks here. Sorry, buddy. There's no snakes yet. He's just afraid of me, but that's fine. That's okay. I understand. I am a scary person at any rate. That is all the time that we have. We appreciate you guys tuning in, submitting your questions, listening to us and our silly and sometimes wonderful analysis that we give. If you guys enjoy us, go give us a follow on Twitter at LeatherBrains. We have a great community of Brainiacs over there. We're closing in on 6,000, guys. We're closing in. We're getting close. That was the goal before the season started was to finally hit 6K, and we are pushing on that. Super exciting stuff. And we're also going to be doing a giveaway here for too long, I think. So... Um, go over there, follow us, and stay tuned because we may have a signed jersey getting ready to uh, to uh, come out here not for too long that you might be interested in. So that's all the time that we got. We appreciate you guys tuning in, like I said, and we are out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leather Brains. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, as well as following us at Leather Brains on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for specific fantasy advice, including draft advice, trade insight, starts and sits, or even if you want our thoughts on your sports bets, please feel free to send us a DM on Twitter for an answer and a chance to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back before you know it.